today's uh, readings are all encouraging us to set our eyes on the kingdom of heaven and they're all encouraging us to, like Jesus commands us um, at the very end of this gospel, do not labor for the food which perishes, but for the food which endures to everlasting life, which the Son of Man will give you because the Father has set his seal on him. As we are approaching the fast, um, we just finished Jonah's uh, fast or the fast of Nineveh this week and prayed the feast. Um, and um, that fast always for me, I'll be very honest for you, is a bit of like a cold shower. You know, it's a little bit of a slap in the face um, and it kind of wakes me up. Um, somehow, uh, after Advent and the Feast of uh, Christmas and so on, somehow uh, I think a lot of us, or speak for myself, fall into a bit of laxity, you know, and uh, my prayers get kind of so-so and my readings get kind of so-so, um, my time with God and my devotion, my, my commitment to remaining connected and in communion with God may waver. And then this short fast comes very short, three days, and it reminds me that the Great Lent is coming. And um, I want to share a, a story with you. Um, uh, the second time I went to go serve in East Africa, I was living by myself there with a monk in a monastery. And uh, the second day there, or third day there, I got violently ill with a horrible um, stomach um, flu or food poisoning or something. I had eaten salad the day before, never eat salad, uh, you know, when you're uh, in, uh, you know, third world countries or whatever, you know, just, just, you know, stick to cooked food, peeled vegetables and so on. Well, I didn't heed the advice and I got violently ill. In the first day, the monk made it very clear to me that though we live in the same um, building, um, he will have nothing to do with me. You know, he prays, he does his stuff and you know, he'll cook meals for himself and I'm welcome to eat from them if I want to, but that will pretty much be the extent of our, uh, of, of our, you know, fellowship. And, um, so I started asking him all these spiritual questions and he wanted nothing to do with me. Just close the door of his room, you know, so I understood the message. So then the next morning at like 4 a.m. when I was like, you know, it was coming out of all orifices, you know, um, he heard me like throwing up in the washroom or something and he came and checked on me and he spent the whole day nursing me back to health and making me soup and making me this and that. And, and so I figured, haha, here is my opportunity. He's my captive. He can't leave me to die. He has to rehydrate me. The bishop will kill him if I die. So, so he's my captive. Now I can ask him all my questions. So I asked him, Father, I have a question for you. How can I benefit from fasting? Sometimes I really enjoy fasting. And most of the time, I really resent it. How can I benefit from fasting? And that was probably, I've asked this question to a multitude of different people, and that this is probably the person who gave me the most useful answer that really changed fasting for me. And I really want to share that answer with you because that is the practical answer to what Jesus is commanding us today. Do not labor for the food which perishes, but for the food which endures to everlasting life. How can I do that? How can I not labor for food which perishes, but labor for food which lasts for everlasting life? This monk gave me a very nice, very useful um, 
um, model to use um, and this was in 2001 so I've had enough time to kind of put it to the test uh, some of you might not have even been around in 2001 so um, so um, uh, I can tell you that it, it really really works um, he said to me that fasting is a dedicated time to focus on my life with God and to ask myself what is it that ruptures my communion with God, my connection with God? Or, what is it that I would like to offer God at the end of this fast? At the end of this fast, there will be a feast. I want to offer a present, a gift to my beloved Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, to God. I want to give him a gift. But what gift would he appreciate to receive? Well, he'd probably appreciate to receive a gift of the Spirit, or a fruit of the Spirit, better said. Right? He'd probably like to see a, a, a new virtue nurtured in me. Love, kindness, gentleness, self-control, peace, and so on. Right? Or he'd like to see that I'm working hard to restore the connection that I have with him, what we oftentimes call communion with God. That's what it's all about, folks. Our whole life, I've realized, everything is about communion. Like, why do, why do people grow apart? Friends, partners, spouses, um, colleagues at work, why do we grow apart? Because that connection is ruptured. Why is it that I have friends, my, my best friends in life, you know, the, the, that I grew up with, my childhood best friends, I talk to them probably about between two to five times a year. But we always pick up right where we left off. Why? Because that connection is always there. I know what they're doing. I know what's going on in their lives. I'm praying for them. I'm still connected to them, despite the fact that we are far removed in time or space or geography or whatever. How can I keep that communion, that connection with God? What is it? Um, that's getting in my way? Is it some anger? Is it some bitterness? Is it some resentment? Is it some un unforgivingness? Um, uh, uh, is it some uh, laziness? Is it some whatever? You'll often find that every virtue, the monk was telling me, has a corresponding vice. So you'll find that, you'll find that every vice is the misuse of some holy energy. For example, this one took me some time to get my head wrapped around. Love and anger are two sides of the same coin. When you love something very, very much, when it is not respected, when people don't treat it properly, when you don't treat it properly, you get very angry. It's that same energy, the same energy of love I have towards something. When that thing is not upheld, is not cared for, is not whatever, then I, then I may be subject to anger. So. The monk was telling me, choose one thing with the help of your spiritual guide or something which is obvious to you in your life, whatever it may be, and focus on that one thing. Find yourselves books, sermons, articles, blogs, podcasts, whatever you can. All around that one, build yourself from, the, from, from Jonah's fast until, the great, until Great Lent, build yourself a big pile of stuff that you want to read, you want to listen to, and so on. And then once the fast begins, immerse yourself in that and pray and say, Lord, please deliver me from this vice, or Lord, please nurture in me this virtue, right? And then he also told me something else. He told me, pick one very simple easy, practical thing you can do that either 
teaches you not to do that vice or teaches you to do, um, to do that virtue. For example, he told me, suppose you wish to um, you know, learn to move out of your anger and be more loving, right? You want to convert the anger in your life into love. What can you do? Choose one person, he, he told me, who just gets on your nerves. One person who just pushes your buttons. We all have a person like that, right? That, you know, we know every time we meet this person, they're going to they're gonna leave me with my feathers ruffled, right? And do one loving thing for them every single day of the fast. That's the example he gave me. He said, he said to me, one day you can call him, one day you can send him a message, one day you can pray for him, one day you can buy him a small gift. Uh, you know, you're at, I don't know, you're getting yourself a coffee and you know you're going to see him later at church, so you buy him a muffin on your way or whatever, right? Do one thing for that, uh, for the, one loving thing for that person for the entirety of the, of the fast. And see what God does with that. You're putting like, you're like putting a penny or a nickel in, in, the, in the piggy bank day after day, day after day. And at the end of the feast, you will collect much more than what you put, um, what you put into that piggy bank. And so we find it's very easy to make the fast very practical. So I put his, I took the, I brought this back to my spiritual father and my spiritual father said that sounds like a very nice model, why don't you give it a whirl? And, and I did, and I can tell you in all honesty, I can tell you year by year, the lessons that God taught me during Great Lent, year by year, I can tell you 2011 this happened, 2012 this happened, and so on, right? And I can tell you also the years where I didn't really prepare for the fast, and I didn't really kind of take it, I wasn't mindful, I wasn't, I wasn't thoughtful, I didn't prepare myself, and quite frankly, the fast was, forgive me, you know, Lord, forgive me, the fast was a nuisance to me, you know? And I fear that to many people, fasting is a nuisance, you know? Like, I make a sacrifice, I change my diet, my diet, and I don't eat the things I want to eat, and I'm restricted, and, and I don't want to eat all this, like, starchy food, so then I find myself with not very much to eat, and it's kind of frustrating, and, and in the end, I got nothing out of it. Well, no wonder I'm frustrated, no wonder I feel it's a nuisance. But the problem isn't the fast. The problem is, is that I'm going to an expense to acquire a tool and then I'm not using it. Fasting, the purpose of fasting is to optimize the circumstances of my life for prayer. That's what fasting does. Fasting is a supercharged tune-up for your car to make it like a, you know, a, like a race car. But if you supercharge tune-up your car and it's a fantastic race car and you park it in the garage, you're going to feel like the expense, I'm going to feel like the expense that I went to was a waste. But if I have a lot of fun racing that car, I'm going to feel like that expense was worth it. If you like car racing or whatever analogy is, um, is suitable for you. So this is, this is, I think, how I translate the common culture of fasting in the Orthodox Church amongst the everyday person, right? Where people are like, oh my goodness, there's only six days left to the fast. Oh my goodness, there's only three days left to the fast. Like, you know, like doomsday is coming, right? And 
And, and, and I understand, I un because year after year, year after year, I make sacrifice and I get nothing in return. I make a sacrifice and I get nothing in return. So of course, right, I promise you, it doesn't have to be that way. At all, it doesn't have to be that way. In fact, it can be very much the opposite. It can be that the fast can be a deliverance for me and for you from the vices that I feel are really crimping my, my style. They're really not like, I don't need this. I don't need to get frustrated with this little thing or that little thing. I can really live without it. I'd be really, I wouldn't mind being a happy person all the time, right? Well, let me, let me have some time of thoughtfulness to examine my life. And so that's why Jesus is telling us today, do not labor for the food which perishes. Look, for the coming 55 days starting uh, a week this Monday, right? We can work hard and earn a lot of money and build palaces for ourselves here on earth. Or we can work very hard and prepare ourselves for our divine wedding. We can labor for the food which endures to everlasting life. That food is the fruit of the Spirit. That food is the virtues that the Lord Jesus Christ wishes to nurture in you and in me. So, my very simple and practical advice for you and for me is to take carve out some time today. Because if you don't do this, this should have happened like maybe last week, but it's not too late. Carve out some time today because you're going to need the rest of the week to do, to do other stuff. Carve out some time today to sit and to pray. Sit by yourself and pray and ask God, Lord, what is it that needs to change in my life? If there was one thing that were to change in my life, one, either stop, you know, moving away from a negative thing or nurturing and doing more of a positive thing, whatever, right? What would it be that would give the greatest benefit, the greatest increase in my connection and my communion with you? What would that one thing be, Lord, right? Decide before you go to bed tonight and then spend the rest of this week, Monday through Sunday, the next seven days, just go wild on Google. You know what I mean, right? And just... Um, and order a couple of books off of Amazon. If you need any help or if you need any resources, email me. I'll be delighted to send you some references back. If there's something that would be a blessing in your life that you may or may not be able to afford, the church would be honored to provide you with resources that would be a blessing to you in this Holy Lent. Don't let the springboard of your spiritual life of the year it's, this is like the rocket ship. Lent is the rocket ship that will send you into orbit in your spiritual life this year. And it only happens once a year. You miss the boat, you have to wait another year. Trust me, I've missed the boat several times and regretted it. Don't miss it. Take some time today. It's not complicated. The answer is usually glaring me at the face. It's usually the one thing that has, you know, tarnished my day for the last week. It's usually obvious the thing that I need to let go of or I need to deal with or I need to fix, right? And I'm not going to do this. This is not a self-improvement project. This is an opportunity to nurture, to prepare a new gift to offer the Lord Jesus Christ on the Feast of Resurrection, to offer Him something beautiful, something of you, something of me, to give Him something from myself. Start, start today, and I promise you, this Lent of 2017 will be very different. Glory be to God forever and ever, amen. I have sinned, forgive me, my fathers and mothers and brothers and sisters. Please pray for me.